Hello and welcome back to Europe Now. We're continuing our tour of Guadeloupe, which is a French overseas department, and it's also one of the EU's nine ultra-peripheral regions, which benefits from extra funding to reflect its geographical isolation and economic hardships. And if you just look at the mountain behind me, you probably get a sense of how remote this place actually is. So in this part of the program, we'll focus a bit more on what Europe is doing for these remote areas, these mountainous areas in terms of economic development, while also maintaining biodiversity and sustainability. We'll also show you some of the economic projects here aimed at boosting growth in an environmentally responsible way, bearing in mind that the post-COVID recovery here on Guadeloupe has been sluggish. Actually, uh, 120 uh, employees uh, at La Tubana, and uh, we are the only five-star uh, hotel in Guadeloupe uh, since uh, three years. Well, I'm with Patrick Vial-Colle, who's the president of the Chamber of Commerce and Industry here in Guadeloupe. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So tell me how much EU funding you actually received for this hotel in particular and what it was used for. It's more than two million we reserve to, to go up in the four star to the five star. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have it, we will never do it. Without that, what would have happened? To give you an idea of what we get to go to the five star is we created more than 50 employees. But you have to think that if you can take a hotel by give them some funds just to go to 70 employers, to go to more than 120, mm. it's, a, it's, it's very good. It's very good for everybody. Uh, some people might say that a five-star hotel getting this level of EU funding, um, it's perhaps not the most ethical thing, considering how many people in Guadeloupe live below the poverty line. Do you feel a bit uncomfortable about getting EU funds for a luxury hotel? I will give you an, a question. Yeah. If you put these two million, for example, of this hotel in another project, and this project only give you 10 or 15 employees. What is better, get 50 or get 15? Fair point. One question that, about the green and digital transition. Give me one example of what you're doing with the environment here. For example, let, let's say about uh, the, the rubbish. We take care of, we, we, we split the rubbish to have something we can retreat after. Yeah. We never do it before. Uh, for example, we, in, in our offer to the, the customer, we try to take everything which is close to the island, fish, uh, vegetables, because uh, we don't want to import something. We have to explain the customer. We cannot do everything what we want and say we don't care. 
St. Patrick, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, so the EU is trying to help uh, regions to adapt their economies in the light of climate change. And we're now going to take you to a much colder place than Guadeloupe, to the French Alps, to see, among other things, how uh, ski resorts are trying to reduce their carbon footprint and using EU funds to do that. Luke Brown and Isabel Romero have this report. High season at Les Ors ski resorts and the pistes are busy. Faced with climate change, the challenges aren't just about today's tourists, but providing a sustainable future for towns like this, vital to Alpine economies. Les Ors was a key player in the EU's regional Alpstar programme, which began a decade ago and aimed to cut energy usage by 20% and carbon emissions by 7%. Along with 20 or so other European ski resorts, we shared information about our experience and what worked for us, and that allowed us to put in place certain techniques. That's Europe's role, to innovate and contribute to this shared dynamic and then roll out the projects on a broader level. Faced with rising energy costs, ski resorts like Les Ors can micromanage every layer of usage. It allows us to have a clear picture at any given instant of what we are using when it comes to the ski lifts, the ski preparation, the artificial snow. And using that data, we can teach our employees to manage the energy usage. And we started that 10 years ago. So nowadays, it's really part of the company's philosophy. The EU's Smart Altitude program provided almost 2 million euros of funds to Les Ors and other resorts across the Alps. Smart LED streetlights have cut energy usage by 90%. Solar panels contribute to the ski lift power grid and the resort's intelligent piste machines measure snow depths and ensure none is wasted. All aspects that contribute to the resort's efforts to future-proof the sector. The mountain of the future, given the impact of climate change, will force stations to optimize their resources. And that goes for the ecological transition, but also the economic model. We're working here on innovations that can help develop mountain sports and leisure that go alongside skiing, so that our model is well adapted for the years to come. A few valleys away is a very different atmosphere. The Raterie Nordic Ski Centre is a haven for cross-country skiers, walkers and devotees of peace and quiet. The European Regional Development Fund was a boost in 2020, helping regenerate the old chalet and ensuring skiers continue to wind through the trees. It's clear that this project enabled us to make this resort viable and allowed us to hire a manager and create these jobs. In all, 84,000 euros of EU funds have given the tiny site a second lease of life. In Ratéry, no matter the season, there's something to do. Snow in winter, but in the summer, there's hiking, mountain biking, road biking, walks in the forest to pick strawberries, and just coming to the cabin lost in the woods. That's what everybody's looking for. North facing at its 1,700 metres altitude, Ratéry is blessed with good snow cover. That, along with the chalet's renovation, mean it should attract skiers and families for some time to come. Well, I'm here in the Parc de la Source, which is a famous park in Guadeloupe. 
the source being water, which is, of course, crucial to this whole island. And I'm here with the only European MEP who actually comes from Guadeloupe, Maxette Pirbacas. Hello and welcome. Thank you Good for being morning. my guest. So just explain to us where we are. Our focus here is agrotourism and agroforestry. As you can see, we have cacao trees. We also have vanilla. We have coffee. This is a park that was co-financed by the European Union. More than 800 million euros were made available. And we're nurturing the biodiversity that we already have. In the European Union, we're talking a lot about the Fit for 55 Pact, the Green Pact, effectively. We're in the middle of negotiating all that in the context of the budget talks for the 2023 to 2027 period. Do you think that the EU cohesion funds, which are actually earmarked for biodiversity projects, are being well used, well spent, or are there some improvements that should be made? We have a problem of overcomplicated administrative procedures. When a European Union project comes to a particular region, we don't have simplified procedures. That means that a lot of people don't have access to EU funding in practice. Because firstly, not all banks are equipped to deal with all the administration that's involved, nor to lend the necessary sums of money. So I've been fighting in the European Union to explain why the whole process needs to be made simpler and smoother. Thank you so much for being my guest on Europe now. Thank you. Thank you. So EU cohesion policy, of course, puts a lot of emphasis on economic development, but it also makes sure that environmental criteria are at the forefront of new economic projects. Sophie Samai has this explainer. Is the environment a priority for cohesion policy? Bridges, roads, hospitals and schools. Every year, the EU's cohesion policy finances hundreds of projects. That translates into lots of construction sites, which means concrete, more concrete, and you guessed it, even more concrete. So does the cohesion policy mean more pollution? Well, less and less. With the policy's 2021 to 2027 plan, it's focusing on transition instead. With a budget of 17.5 billion euros, the new Just Transition Fund puts ecology at the heart of the bloc's investments. The first tool is 2019's Green Deal. Its objective is twofold. One, to support the transition of regions most impacted by European climate policy. And two, to help with retraining or professional integration there. The fund helps coal mining regions in Poland and Germany make an economic and climate transition. The nations will receive 3.5 billion and 2.2 billion euros from the JTF, respectively, to put an end to coal mining and re-employ workers in more sustainable and environmentally friendly businesses. Another tool in the cohesion policy's arsenal is the European Regional Development Fund. It aims to strengthen the EU's economic, territorial and social cohesion. The countries that benefit from the fund are obliged to invest at least 30% of their share in carbon-neutral projects. And finally, the ecological reward mechanism planned from 2024 will be given to states who hit emissions targets. Nations who make no effort towards achieving carbon neutrality by 2050 could lose out on half their national share of the JTF.
I would say that MACT has really something very specific to bring to the world of museums because MACT is on the site itself of the plantation. You can consider the entire um, uh, island of Guadeloupe as the site of, uh, of, of slavery and of the plantation. And how many visitors do you have every year? Uh, 90,000. This was really a, a huge project uh, which could not have existed uh, without European funding. We have a very comfortable um, budget and we, are, we actually will start the year with 5 million of um, um, exceeding our budget. I'm now with Victorin Lurel, who is a heavyweight in left-wing politics in Guadeloupe and nationally in France. He's a French senator for the Socialist Party, and this museum was actually his idea. Senator, thank you so much for being my guest. Hello. Why did you come up with this idea to establish this museum? This is what society wanted, what it expected. We had to ease people's minds. The expectation had always been there. Something that would honor our ancestors. That's why the metal strands that you can see over there symbolize the souls of the ancestors. Is there a link between this past that's represented here and the fact that Guadeloupe is today an ultra-peripheral region with all the social problems that we've seen? Yeah, there's a link. There was a demand here to stay in Europe. People in Guadeloupe were asked, do you want to become a PTOM? an overseas country or territory. But the people did not choose that option. They chose to be a UPR, an ultra-peripheral region, because that status gives Guadeloupe more funding. It gives us the opportunity to develop education, the environment, health, infrastructure, facilities, including cultural facilities like this one, co-financed by Europe. Is it strange at all that so much European money is uh, financing this kind of prestigious project when there are all these social problems in Guadeloupe? It's not strange. When the request for this museum was made and when it was approved, that was not done at the expense of any other project. Is it not the case, though, that uh, some of the FEDA funding that was meant to go to a waste treatment project actually ended up being used for this museum instead? Yeah, you're right. But the museum did not replace the waste treatment project. That project had already failed. Are you concerned about what the Court of Auditors said in its report about uh, what it called a pro uh, deficiencies in how the management authority of the European funds used for this project were actually uh, how those funds were over, the, the oversight of those funds? We were very surprised by the results of the investigation of the Court of Auditors. I myself responded to all of their points in an 11-page report. Frankly, I think this is now a non-issue. I believe that we have used taxpayers' money efficiently, truthfully and with probity. You can see the result for yourself. It's beautiful. And it's consistent with a society that is mostly ethnic. Multi-religious, multicolor, and that's the role of this memorial. Victorin Lurel, thank you so much for being my guest thank on you. the program. Thank, thank you.
Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Europe Now from Guadeloupe. I hope you've enjoyed following me on this journey. I'll be back in a few weeks for another edition from another location in the EU that will look very different from this one. Thanks for watching and goodbye.